can I just add, so Chirapan or Chirapan, my name. Yeah. Chirapan? Chirapan, yeah. Chirapan. And I don't hear yeah. And Kampuvong. Kampuvong is very phonetic, but Chirapan is a little bit tricky because it looks like Chirapone. Because a lot of folks usually, you know, with the first name, it's a lot Sorry. of butchering. Yes. With the first name. <laughs> so I was like, oh, is that who I am? Is that my name? I didn't know. <laughs> Welcome to an Upside Down World. A podcast from T-Fund Australia with your hosts, Joel McCarrow And Grace Naum. Welcome to the third week in our Lent slash Beatitudes slash, I don't know, we could talk about anything really on this podcast, but it's wonderful to get to come in and talk through these beautiful, beautiful ways that we can begin or continue to walk out what the kingdom of God looks like on this earth, what love in action looks like to bring about an upside down world. This week on the podcast, we're going to be hearing from Chirapon Kumfu Vong, who joins us all the way from Laos, and we'll be chatting through the third beatitude, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I can't wait for you mm. to meet Chirapon. She's so hilarious, so funny. Amazing. Um, and not just because she's hilarious, but also uh, she really challenges some of the the core stuff for us, I think, who want to bring justice about in this world, but do it in a way that's not just like um, white fella imposing colonial justice onto mm. other people. Um, she talks beautifully like this. This episode, really, I think anyone involved in community development around the world should listen to because uh, Shirafon beautifully and poignantly explains what it is to do development uh, in our world today. Of course, if you're not into community development or doing that, you're going to get so much out of this, so don't worry about that. Mm. Um, it, it was such a really wonderful, wonderful conversation. Um, also on the episode today, Grace is going to be sharing um, her poem that's written about the third of our, our Lent series cards for those who are getting those from T-Fund. Um, and it's the story of Ram Lal, who's a farmer from Rajasthan, India. Um, in fact, why don't we start there today? Let's start with listening to Grace's poem, reflecting on Ram Lal's story. Fear, the darkened cloud that wraps itself around the earth, from Australia to Rajasthan, from this heart to his heart. Fear has an incredible fluidity. Like a shadow, it can slip through cracks and hover in the most undiscovered places. I cannot pick up my shadow, and I cannot pick up my fear. It's more sensitive than my heart. It's quicker than my mind, stronger than my body. Fear has me wandering through a cemetery of opportunities before mine have even been buried. It has me sitting in my childhood backyard looking for the barefooted girl whose imagination had her wildly dancing around the yard. I want to set my words free, my wonder free, my voice free, but this shadow, it distorts my vision, impairs my listening, and I'm distracted by the dark. So I fumble about with self-doubt and apologize my way to the floor till I'm lying thin as the shadow next to me. Fear, the darkened cloud that wraps itself around the earth, from Australia to Rajasthan, from this heart 
to his heart. Ramlal is a farmer and a father, and such things are not easy in the best of times. But Ramlal is living through the worst. In harsh conditions of unpredictable weather and scarce water, shadow is the darkest of friends. It's weightless, but how it pulls on the heart of a man simply longing to feed his family. He and his son spend months away from the family just to make ends meet, and when he's home, Ramlal has to travel over two kilometers just to get drinking water. He stretches himself to breaking as shadow stretches over dry land. He's pressed down, face to the ground. He lies there, thin as the shadow next to him. A different world to my own, a different ground beneath. But shadow pervades us both, in different shades and shapes. But. There is something as fluid as fear, like light. It can slip through cracks and live and breathe in the most undiscovered places. Love. It sounds like a band-aid, but it can heal the ocean floor wounds that alone we can't reach, where only shadows have been. In 2017, Ramlal and his family's lives changed forever. A project, a helping hand, hope renewed, a dried well that now holds water, crops growing, cattle rearing for their livelihood. No longer having to travel, Ramlal works the land. A child about to become a teacher. The future is clearer, lighter. A new morning starts to warm the darkest places, and Ramlal's shadow begins to waste away. From Rajasthan back to Australia, from his heart to this heart, I cannot fix my fear on my own. I hate that. I'm on the floor. I've been there for years, trying to fix my fear before anyone sees the depth and brevity of it. And I'm tired. I cannot pick up a shadow, and I cannot pick up my fear—not on my own. And it's in finally accepting that that you and I we begin to pick it up together. I'm so embarrassed, blushed by the weight and shape of it, but you are unmoved. You hold it close to you as you do the best of me. You don't apologize for any part of me. The process is messy and mundane and long. It's disarming to be fully seen and continually, utterly desired. Disarming and freeing. Love, it's that light that breaks through night and clouds and rain and warms our faces, from Australia all the way to Rajasthan. Ah,、oh, Grace, thank you so much for sharing that poem. Pleasure. You you just have this beautiful way of taking story and crafting something amazing out of it,、um, reflecting on on Ramal's story there.、Um, 
I, I like I wonder if this is not one of the main ways that our world can actually be healed through uh, listening so intently to someone's story that you hear the deeper details uh, absolutely and, and be able to speak to that I think that is the power of storytelling um, it invites people to empathize in detailed ways um, I think poetry and storytelling really ignites the five senses so we're invited into imagining to really jumping in the shoes of the person we're speaking of mm. today I'm currently living in what is now known as the Sutherland Shire and I want to pay my respects to the elders past and present of the Darawal nation and at the moment, we're actually sitting uh, underneath Mount Kira, mm. um, which is my hometown. Uh, so normally I'm bringing these things from Melbourne, um, but right now I'm sitting under Mount Kira, um, also known as Gira, from the traditional custodians of this land, uh, who are also um, the Darawal people. Uh, and so I want to pay my respects uh, to where I'm living currently, which is the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, and also as we sit under this beautiful mountain. That it has, is beautiful. Isn't it? Yeah, that has overlooked me and my life um, for many, many, many years. Chirapon has been an aid worker since graduating university and has served in more than 35 countries. She is currently the program advisor at World Renew Lao. Guys, we cannot wait for you to hear this interview. Friends, welcome. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we are going international today. We've got Chirapon all the way from Laos. Welcome, Chirapon. How are you? Sabaydi Patet Lao. I am well. Thank you. Praise be to God. Amen. Amen. Um, Chirapon, can you tell us how long you've been back in Laos for and what are you up to while you're there? Yes, yes. Wow. Uh, thank you for asking that question. I have returned back to my birthland, Patet Lao, um, in night, um, sorry, 2018 is when I returned, July, with World Renew Laos. And um, just a little bit, I left with my family of 12. We escaped in 1980. So it wow. took me 38 years wow. to come back to my wow. beloved Lao. And really, it's it's the God story. Yeah. Wow. Where much has been given, much is required. Amen. So with that, um, I returned to Laos the first time um, from my exile in 1997 mm. when I graduated from um, university. And I, my heart was like, I want to be here. But I've already committed work with Peace Corps South Africa. Wow. <laughs> and um, <laughs> was a little bit of obedience, if you will, um, unwilling obedience. <laughs> to visit Laos, um, but then to leave after 17 years, right? And then every single, almost every year, I always, just my heart was saying, Lao, when, Lord, when? When will I get to return to Patet Lao? Mm. And it just was that um, many are the plans of a woman, right? But the Lord <laughs> orders her steps. So wow. it happened in 2018, and I am just elated. Yeah. 
here's a 47 year old woman sister who was like hey what's up Ted Lau I'm rocking this country it's only 7.2 or a million you know 7.2 million people but I am just living the life that um that God has appointed anointed if you will I was a Buddhist before so let's you know let's does not forget that if you will, foundation of spirituality to be able to merge the two, but then just the gift of life and life together. Amen. How break that sticky rice or night, you know, together. Many cultures, you know, have rice or pasta or naan or chapati, but for Patelau, it's our sticky rice. And for me, it's really trying to capture those moments of how do I break noodles or break sticky rice so nice with my beloved community that I get to live with. I get to do this. Amen. We get to do this. We get to live this life. We get to be a part of God's work, participate. Yeah. And for me, I'm, I'm very thankful for my Buddhist background because it really set the foundation of this harmony, this connectedness, mm. um, wow. my faith with Christ. Mm. Um, so Nothing is by accident. Amen. Nothing. And so God is a, God has a humor, has a humor like no other. The G-O-D. The G-O-D has humor like no other. Ooh, mercy. Was was sticky rice the first meal that you ate when you got back to there, back to Laos? Oh, (laughs) I say so. But the thing is, I've been coming back because I was with World Relief Cambodia. Yeah. So I've been coming back, you know, um, every so often or every year. So for me, we we also partake in sticky rice in the U.S., especially when you're from California. You know what I'm saying? You got the goods, you know, you got the global international goods. And I also found sticky rice so nice even in South Africa. Can you believe it? Wow. With the Indian community. I know. Yeah. I believe it was probably Nagaland folks because Nagaland, India has sticky rice so nice. So I'm telling you, <laughs> I never lacked. You know, <laughs> God is always, I know. Beautiful. Yes. And so, would but you I'm, probably tell us? Um, I'd love to hear just a little bit of whatever you'd like to share in terms of that story of in of your story being in 1980 and having to flee from there how old were you and what did what did that look like for you yeah sure wow um I was five and a half years old wow Uh, we were up in Singapore that's where I was born and my father was taken in for about three and a half years because he was with USAID wow and that um my mother with uh, nine children did her trekking um, through jungle fields, rice fields, etc., um, to go cl- get closer to the Mekong River. My father and my sister, my eldest sister, they escaped on their own because, it, you know, they were at a different place. He was at a different place. And with that, uh, we had black over our heads and we crossed the Mekong River in the middle of the night, two by two. So the third born, my second, um, the second oldest sister and myself at five and a half years of age, she was probably, I want to say 14 and a half or 15 at that time. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine being a mother and putting your children in a boat 
and not knowing if they will make it or not. Mm. So that's by God's grace. And that's why I say I get to live the life that God, you know, has Mm. um, appointed. And so at the refugee camp, we were at the refugee camp. We all were reunited at the refugee camp in the fall, August, um, 1980, with my father. My father and my sister arrived there first, and they did all the paperwork and what have you. But uh, my father, being with USAID, you know, formally, he then started, you know, translating what have you at the refugee camp. And so we were in about probably, I want to say, give or take a three by three or four by four meter square foot, you know, a square um, stall, bamboo, and family of 12. Half of it was raised up on a bamboo um, you know, platform for us to eat. And the other half was dirt floor remained for cooking and what have you for 12. But we were together. Amen. And we were safe. And for two years, we lived there. And um, that's when the older siblings went to school to learn English, because um, a couple uh, worked with USAID um, during that time. And my father was their counterpart, and also took them in, hosted them and, you know, welcomed them as part of the Lao community for two years. And they learned of our escape. And they wanted to be the family that sponsored us. And so, wow. so all that for two years, all the papers were running. And that's when the older siblings went to school. And I just, you know, played around with my younger brothers, because I was too young to attend the English school. And that was when um, the first time I heard of the name Praisu. Prajau is God the God. Praong is God the Lord. But Praisu is God the Jesus. Hmm. Workers um, at the refugee camp. And so, yeah, so age five and a half, I heard of the name Praisu. But, you know, it was another name, right? Hmm. Not until 10 years later at a summer camp with uh, some friends, the speaker um, had given us a uh, an instruction of writing two letters, one to our earthly father, that they love us, but they will make mistakes. One to our heavenly father of, you know, the unconditional love. And I was like, I'm an Asian persuasion sister. You know what I'm saying? How am I going to write a letter to my earthly father and tell him that he's going to be wronging me, even though he has good intentions? Mm-mm, we don't do that. So I went up to the speaker and before that he said, there's 10 of you that I have a message for. Mm. Don't be afraid. And so I'm a knucklehead 15 year old, you know, I'm thinking about adolescent things. Right. So I went up to him. I was like, I'm sorry, brother. I can't write this letter. You know, I can write a letter to my, and mind you, we were doing the Buddhist thing on Saturdays Mm. or at home. Mm. But we went to church on Sundays because World Relief sponsored us and we wanted to be loyal. Mm. We wanted to be, you know, um, of respect and honor to World Relief and also to our sponsor uh, family who are also of, you know, Christian background. Mm. That was in the U.S. Church in Idaho. (laughs) This is U.S. And so with that, so I Basically, I went up to him and I said, I can't write this letter. And graciously, he said, no problem. He said, what's your name? I said, Cherapon. He goes, huh? I was like, okay, here we go. I said, <laughs> Cherapon. He goes, spell that for me. And I, I spelled it from him. He was like, we got to talk. He said, grab a friend and come and sit and talk with me. And he said, your name I saw on the blackboard with many nations, many people groups, and many languages. Oh, my God. So you have a decision to make, you know. Wow. Um, and that was when Prat Yesu resonated in my heart. 
Wow. It was non-negotiable. And so I was doing the, you know, he, he, he basically was like, you uh, are, are going through a lot of things. You have a decision to make. And I said, yeah, uh, I'm loud at home speaking loud, but American English, you know, mm-hmm. um, out, you know, outside the home at school, I'm doing this Buddhist thing, but I'm doing this Christian thing. And so, yeah, and but that was non-negotiable for me. And from then on, my life has been just uh, a testament of God's goodness. And so I went home after that and I told my parents and my mom said, well, you still eat sticky rice. Looks out because he can come nail you, Bob. The important thing. A mom's heart. Amen. A mom's heart who has been feeding her, her children. And I said, I said, of course, I will eat sticky rice because I am Lao. But in terms of my faith, I am no longer a Buddhist. I am now a follower of Christ. My father being a Buddhist monk for 14 years prior, he got it. He got it. So... That speaks to like, sounds like so much of your life is holding together as, as many kind of second gen or, or refugee people are holding together these very different cultures. And I know like you also have been from America and you're saying in South Africa and probably you've been to lots of different places working around the world. What is, I, I wonder what is, what's home for you? What is what does home mean for you? How do you hold all this stuff together? Oh God, so yeah. By the grace of God, mercy. <laughs> mercy. Oh my goodness. Great question, brother. Um so as I was saying, you know, it took me 38 years to get back to Patit Lao, um, but also 38 countries of engagement. <laughs> That is because I'm like, it wasn't 40 like Moses, okay. <laughs> 38 countries. 40. I don't know if I'll be here like Moses, right? <laughs> so um, so home for me, brother, is what I get to experience God with people. Yeah. Wow. And a lot of the times it's breaking bread or rice or pasta. I love to cook. I love, I love to feed my beloveds. Amen. Mm. So that's my joy. And so if I'm able to set a feast for my beloveds mm, and I tell them, I was like, if it's good, you tell me if it's not say nothing and thou shall not be invited back. (laughs) (laughs) So with that, I, I think, you know, just experiencing God, with people and food. Mm. Food is such a sacred thing. I don't eat when I'm angry. I don't eat when I'm upset because I can't digest that. And my spirit is not at a place to receive, amen? Mm. And so as you can see, I'm a happy person, you know what I'm saying? Because we (laughs) like to eat, you know? And And it's all good. But uh, but if but if I can feed people or share a meal with you, that to me is such a blessing. And um, in 2020, you know, now that we're in 2021, 2022, um, no one should go to go to sleep hungry. Yeah. No one. Yeah. Food should be so accessible, just like clean water or clean air. Um, and so, how do we see something and with compassion? Uh, be a part of God's acts of mercy. 
Mm. You know, and, yeah. So, so that's, that's home for me, brother. Yeah, is, that's a lot of the work you're doing there now in Laos. Is that right? With with Renew World, is it Renew World that you're working specifically with? World Renew, yes. Renew, and it's all. Is it all around sustainable food and that kind of that kind of idea? Absolutely, absolute livelihood, sustainable livelihood. Hmm. So it's it, it's it's that integral mission, right? It's all integrated. Um, it's your agriculture development with your health, with your education. Um, and uh, clean water. It, it really is a holistic community that is um, without words, maybe, because of the country we're working in um, and the uniqueness of Patet Lao. It's the shalom, you know, the shalom of our communities and really uplifting and building and uh, surfacing the capacity of our of our local communities because goodness is already there amen wow goodness and wholesomeness um i think if anything for myself i'm the learner mm, wow i'm the learner i'm the person who gets to do this and go into communities um, and so we do a lot of um, appreciative inquiry when we enter our communities. Do you all know appreciative inquiry? Yeah. Oh, I do. Grace Manor. Please tell. It's um it's really it's it's also part of the ABCD, asset-based community development. So appreciative inquiry is you go into communities and you discover what is good and what is the best practices of communities. Oh, then you are facilitating and seeing the um, the dream of the community. Then you are co-designers. Um, of, uh, of of that dream and then you deliver together of that dream and so the four d's wow. really going into communities and say you are li- you've been living this life you've been giving birth you know mm-hmm. you've been cooking you've been um you know doing uh what is it being able to harvest from the forest so now how can, you know, how do we want to continue to have boys and girls attend school and for, to have continue to have access to clean water or water, even in the dry season, right? And so those are the things that we go in. And so we start with what they know and how they live their lives. And then maybe we just ask questions of how do you think that this could be different or what, 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 what would you like to see changed, you know, um, for your own well-being? And so, so that's where I get to come in and yes, I, you know, get to, uh, work with our national staff, which is, um, so we have our national staff, but we also work with government district officials and that's how Lao program is unique because we're always this, um, and with our MOU as well. And it's just a beautiful thing because even though the government district is not our uh, our staff, they get to also receive this. And also when there's a paradigm shift, people do differently. People behave differently at, you know, mm-hmm. so you see with your eyes compassion, then you feel with your heart and then you do differently with your hands. Mm-hmm. So everything we do, we try to but as simple as possible, Mwah, we kiss yeah. it, right? Keep it simple, yeah. simply. And so that it's replicable. Mm-hmm. 
we're, we're not trying to shoot the moon here. We're not trying to be sophisticated in our development mm-hmm. because when we leave these projects and these areas, can they continue the work on their own? Amen. Yes. The first two stages of that approach are so beautiful. I mean, they really speak to um, to the idea of meekness, which is uh, the beatitude that we're focusing on today. Mm-hmm. That idea of um, coming into a community and really listening, listening to what is um, needed, listening to what is what is wanted. And I heard um, meekness described as. Um, through the word submission, that submission actually came out of the word to submit to someone else's mission. So it's mm. not about weakness, but rather to honor someone else's goal um, over your own. And um, yeah, I just, I mean, your story alone speaks to um, the idea of meekness so beautifully. Um, but yeah, can you... W- what stage um, of of going into a community do you find most life-giving? And has there been moments when you didn't want to be meek, um, that, that it didn't come naturally? <laughs> There's so many moments for me when I did not want to be meek. <laughs> oh, mercy. Mercy. Those are, um, so there's two questions in there. Not, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a loaded question, sister. Um, yeah, for me, I, I think, whew, I think the attitude or the spirit of Christ is so counterculture. In our world today, people are trying to flex, flex their power. Absolutely. Pride, right? Mm-hmm. Um, wanting to be in control. And so I think with World Renew Lao, um, we are trying to instill a new paradigm uh, where we come alongside and we actually let our villagers, um, the 17 target villages in Pongsli and the 16 target villages in uh, Luang Prabang provinces, we actually want our villagers to be the leaders. Mm. What an upside down approach to develop. Amen. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we go in and we ask those questions that are life-giving to them already. And we discover. And how do we develop? Because development comes at a cost, right? So when you have access to roads, it means drugs have access to that. Human trafficking has access to that community. China bride issues have access to that community. So community members want a road so that they can have access to the markets or, you know, take their goods to the markets to sell or for their children to go to school. But then what are the things that come in? Um, And those that take advantage of the poor, you know? So those are that so for me the meek the meekness or the big picture of meekness is resilient 
How can our communities remain under control and being resilient so that they themselves can be sustainable? Mm -hmm. And so there's actually a a little bit of a story here. There's a widow uh, mother of, I want to say four or five in our Ponsoli project. She is in a bamboo hut. Her husband passed away from my recollection and it, I, as much as I can remember, um, and I'm, I want to be the most integrous, right? With storytelling and ethical here. Mm-hmm. Um, what I can remember is that her husband had passed because he was addicted to um, drugs and he was out in the forest trying to, you know, find things so that he can then also exchange for drugs. But he had an accident and he passed. Now she's left with four or five children as a widow and living in this small um, bamboo hut with a thatched roof. We enter into this village and she's just elated that um, there's an organization that cares enough to come in. Because World Renew Lao, we go in places where other organizations don't go. Mm. That's how we choose our the, our, our work, where there's no other organizations or minimal because we don't want, we don't need to be in other places where others are. Amen. Let them handle that. That's part of the body of Christ. Yeah. And so then, if if there is a need, if the community members or leadership want us to be there, because why should we be there if you know if there's no ownership or interest of us to be there? So the, here's this woman with four or five children, a widow, guess what she does? She gives us bamboo that she harvested from the forest to share. That's why the meek, it says what? Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Here she is harvesting from the earth and gifting from what she has from the earth to strangers, strangers. How much more are we to learn from that, to emulate that, to do likewise? How many times did Jesus say, go and do likewise? So here is this animistic, widowed mom who's exchanging the the God incarnate, if you will, mm. moment with me. Amazing. Um, and I feel like we, we, yeah, we as the body, the Western, we mm. believers have so much to learn. Um, mm. Her act of kindness was um, revealing, you know, a, a meek posture. Yeah. Mm. She was, you know, very much, right? She wasn't flexing. Yeah. She wasn't, you know, gain having that sense of pride or control. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder if the opposite of meekness is flexing in our in our language today. Like I like that mm-hmm. idea that there's meekness and then there's flexing. It's a really interesting, yeah, kind of um, difference. And what I'm wondering from hearing your story as well, it, it brings me back again to the tension that you hold as someone coming from Lao and now within Lao again and Lao culturally seems to me um, quite a meek place, like a a meek kind of people. 
And then on the other hand, you have spent so many years in America, which, wow. which to yeah. me kind of kind of <laughs> is more of a flexing country, like it's more of a flexing nation. So holding those two up, like that's that's really seeing such mm. a juxtaposition um, between those. How again, how do you as an American um, and as a Lao? Yeah. Hold this together, be in that place and not seek to flex but but to uphold meekness as a value. I'm wondering if you can just speak to that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, being a Lao American. <laughs> not something. <laughs> US of A and then Lao, who is landlocked, 7.2 million. Mm. The whole nation. Wow. This, con- uh, this country is reflectively, I think the same size as California, right? In land area, yeah. uh, approximately. Come on now. You know, I think California, um, Los Angeles County is more population oh <laughs> in the whole country. So, okay, here's my thing. Yeah. Ooh, mercy. <laughs> Daily, I remind myself of my privilege. Mm. Um, and that's why I go back to where, where much has been given, much is required. So here in Laos, when they say you're American, I said, I'm Lao American. Please do not. I'm, and I believe that Patel Lao is part of the every tongue tribe and nation. Amen. Revelation, Revelation 7 9. So with that, I'm actually decolonizing mm. me daily. Mm. And then I hope that that posture would also encourage. Or challenge, hey, okay. How many times did Jesus flip that table? Okay. And so I won't go around flipping our tables, right? But the posture of that meekness then is how do we uh, encourage, but also challenge, especially expats or foreigners to decolonize. And then for our nationals, what I actually, this is a conversation we had with our Lao national leaders here during the whole um, Black Lives Movement, remember in April, May, 2020, because I was in the US then, they were trying to understand what's going on with Black Lives. I was like, well, I was like, there's a lot going on. First of all, the US, the country was established by evil, mm-hmm. you know, evil acts. Mm-hmm. And so it was colonized, mm-hmm. you know, by Europeans. And that's why, and then all of that, that was the foundation. And so I said, all of that, we're, st- we're still trying to make sense of it and trying to value the Imago Day of everyone. With or without faith, everyone has been created in the image of Christ. Amen. And so with that, we then had a conversation of every, you know, the Lao nationals have permission to tell us if we are wrong. Wow. And I think posture because sometimes in for the Lao word foreigner they say phalang phalang is foreigner but phalang is also French like you know the national the nationality of France so I said white is not right phalang is not right always we want to do right but sometimes we do wrong and I'm a phalang even though I'm Lao American consider me as a foreigner because my you know citizenship is elsewhere and I also have this background so I think the meekness of Christ is that posture of humility and if Jesus followed you know 
was a follower of mm-hmm. God. Mm. How much more do we follow? Amen. Yeah. Uh-huh. So these are the things that I'm tr- I'm hoping that my daily life is able to um, encourage mm-hmm. and also challenge. Mm. Um, and I have no problem challenging as well. So uh, I'm a troublemaker like That's Jesus. Right. Come on now. <laughs> he was and still is the biggest troublemaker. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Love it, Sherifan. Um <laughs> The Buddhist way is is one of deep reflection. I'm I'm just wondering um what beautiful habits um have you brought into your faith um your your Christian faith sorry uh that that are really helpful in um in enabling that sense of meekness to grow. I think it's only when we're spending time with Jesus, that we will grow in meekness because it is so countercultural to to the to Western society. Um, yeah. So, what what practices have helped you in yeah in strengthening that sense of meekness? Yeah. Thank you. Ooh, my father. Wow. He, you know, my father. Oh my gosh a Buddhist monk for 14 years. And he was Maha, Maha, Maha means like Mahatma, the great teacher, Mahatma Gandhi. He left monkhood because he did not, he had enough of the spotlight. Wow. Because everywhere he went, people held him up. And also when you're a monk, when you're wearing the robe, the saffron, you know, um, colored um, monk robe, you can't interact with civilians as an ordinary person. Wow. So here he did this downward mobility. Um, He did this uh, downward mobility of where he's like enough of this, you know, attending to me or serving me all the time and Mm. so he was like "Mm -mm, I cannot make as much of an impact for the people that I you know want to uh, uh, maybe help or develop and what have you and that's why he went into um, and worked with USAID and because of his language you know capabilities what have you so my father actually modeled that and because of his Buddhist background Mm. I then grew up with that and was able to witness this amazing model. And for me, it's really the meditation, mm. the quietness. And I think with meekness is that stillness or quietness of being in control, but not being already my personality is a little bit loud, maybe for a loud culture. <laughs> is that the American part of you? Maybe just a little bit exuberant. Um, I love it. Dynamite, uh, hurricane. <laughs> what else do we want to say? Explosives of any any kind. So for me, the meekness is that I have to tone it down. I get to tone it down, and actually, you know, even though I am when I'm on, I'm on. But when I'm, I, I actually need to withdraw because yeah. I'm actually an introvert in many ways. 
And I need that space and that time. And so with that, um, the meditation of being one withdrawn and removed Mm. um, from the public or others and just being the stillness. Um, So I live along the Mekong River. This is the same river that my family and I crossed when I was five and a half years. Wow. wow. So it's a daily reminder of God's grace. Amen. Oh, that so is be, amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to be able to uh, meditate on that. Um, that's why I'm a playful person, but I don't play. You know. What do you mean by that? I don't play, meaning I take my 24 hours in a day seriously. Uh, yeah, Frig. Yeah, wow. It's, it's with intention, it's with impact. Mm. How do I impact this? Can I make a difference, a positive difference in someone's life today? So that's why I'm playful, but I don't play. Wow. I just, that image like of you sitting at the river in which you crossed when you were five and a half years old. In 1980. Yeah. Mm. That is amazing. And I guess in being able to steal yourself away to that place it's also just a beautiful like reminder to be thankful like Mm -hmm. and and I guess what a beautiful way to start a quiet time to so viscerally see and experience in front of you like redemption um maybe just to just to begin to finish up I'm I'm I really love those two practices that you talked about mm. uh, in terms of stepping out of the spotlight um and uh and that practice of meditation um mm. as practices for me as a white man who could so easily fall into um even in my passion for social justice can so easily fall into a colonialist mindset of of social justice and so to those practices are beautiful in terms of helping me to decolonize um and me as well who i'm also a very charismatic uh, personality who loves being at the front of people i'm a i'm a 3 on the enneagram if you know the enneagram um, and <laughs> for our listeners, she just gave a roll of the eyes that you can, um, but what beautiful practices to, uh, instill for me, to remind me, um, of my need to not, um, I was reading just a, a different translation. I've got it here of, of the verse that we're talking about. It said, fortunate are those not arrogant or domineering, for they will have their place to stand, their place to live richly. Mm. Like I just, the, I, I wonder if you could finish us off maybe with a story again of, of how you've seen this again kind of play out either in your life or in the life of, of the people that you're there with on the ground that, that though in, in some ways in our Western mindset we might be like, oh, they're poor or they're, they're, they don't have this, they don't have that. But actually, this is saying that this idea of living richly. I'm just wondering if you can share maybe something to, along those lines to finish up. No, that's good. And thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Brother Joel, because I think, you know, um, when, when we're self-aware, mm. you know, whether that are, when we're self-aware of the privileges we bestow. Yeah then I think that's what love is, right? We've received so that we can give. 
mm. and not to just keep it on, you know, for ourselves and our own benefit. And I think meekness is of that, where when we have received, we want to give, mm. we should give, mm. you know, because it's not even ours to keep. And so how do we utilize our nationalities, our education, our health, you know, our hours, our homes, um, our food to bless others. And so, so thank you for sharing that. Um, and I think for me here in Laos, I think how we live our lives is a huge testament. Because of the country we live in, Pratyesu, the name Pratyesu may not always be able to be spoken audibly. Yeah. So that's when the witnessing you know um the witness or the testament of christ is in and through us by our actions mm. and our connections at the marketplace or in the villages and so for me a lot of the times um it's that as i've mentioned before that downward mobility mm. um mm. but it's really the temptation to be spectacular mm. the temptation to be powerful and the temptation to be relevant mm. That's, you know, that's what I think we have it very wrong. The church of the world has it so wrong, especially the Western churches. So how do we then do this downward mobility of, for me, I actually, if our community members or our staff can do things on their own, let them hmm. get out of the way, Charapan. Amen. And I tell our community member, I was like, this is your village. Do I live here? I'm, I'm a little bit direct with them at times. <laughs> I said, do I live here? Is this my village? No. And, and you know, and I said, so it's your village. So how would you like to develop it? Yeah. What are the goodness here that we can continue to build on? So that's one way is actually get out of the way. Yeah. And that's part of the decolonizing because they think America is good. And right. I was like, we're pretty messed up. <laughs> America's good in many ways. I'm very thankful, you know, for the yeah. country to receive my family. I'm very thankful. I'm grateful. And I will forever be grateful. But I'm also critical of America, mm. just like the rest of the world, too. You know, mm -hmm. um, I'm an eight in the Enneagram. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so with that, get out of the way. How do development practitioners mm. get out of the way? How do leaders get out of the way? And when you have power, you share the power or even get out of the way, especially for long-term uh, workers as well as community members. So that's one of the practices that I do. And sometimes they're like, but you can do it. I was like, I know I can, but it doesn't mean I should. Amen. Mm -hmm. I wow. said, and plus I'm here with you. I get to see you do it. And then how do we do it together so that when I leave, you can do it all on your own. Yeah. And so that's just the really the the beauty of it. And for me, it's that Lao is what about uh, I want to say 70 percent agrarian, you know, so they really depend on the earth. Mm. And so land is very important. And that's why the inherent the earth earth is so key. Mm. And so for me, I feel like Lao, the meekness of Lao is such it's it's already a part of our world, mm. you know. Yeah. To wow. be with her. And I think our Western cultures, we have concrete jungles. Mm. We have steel, you know, like 
the things that we are surround are surrounding us is not God created. It's man created things. Yeah. So how all the we bring, you know, the the things that are God created things in our lives. And I think we need to really shift that, be intentional with um with going back to the basics, going back to nature. Um I'm I'm actually um raising worms. I'm composting and raising worms here yes. in my little urban you will and a lot of the loud people are like what what and I was like this I said if the bees come I'm eating you know I said we need to take care of our bees you know like that's why it's and the plants that I plant it's either for me to eat or for the bees and for our eyes to enjoy and oxygen amen there's a purpose with it and so and now my neighborhood is starting to plant more things you know because and I think that's what we do whatever the small impact a drop of impact or the ripple effect of impact voila Mm. so for me I that's why every every opportunity every day is an opportunity and um in so in our villages I actually have everyone go everyone breathe in and they all breathe in and I said you know breathe out and I said if you are breathing you are still alive and you have an opportunity to be better. Yeah. Wow. And that's development. Amen. Sorry. Do not complicate it. Do not make it complex. Mm. So that's us, baby. That's wonderful. So good. <laughs> Chirapon, it has been such a delight to talk to you. Thank you so much. Mm. I want to have dinner with you one time. Yeah, can we come and share sticky rice with you? We want to come. I think the gathering should be over a meal of some type. Amen. Yeah. We're not doing uh, justice, justice here on screen, it. but thank you for the opportunity to share, and thank you for listening. Thank you for the fact that Pated Lao is part of the Tear Fund um, Global Map. Amen. Mm. As small as we are, you know, and even when I was with. Uh, World Relief Cambodia. We interacted with Tear Fund, you know, Australia and UK as well. And so, yeah, it's just wonderful. So, thank you so much for your good works. Blessings on each of you and your family and your household. God bless you all. You too, Jeropon. Thank you so much. Pratyesu, Jesus. Thank you for your mercy that is new every morning. Thank you, Lord, for being the ultimate example of meekness in our lives. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth in every part of our big and beautiful world. Bless those that are experiencing challenging situations. Strengthen your people, your children, to be full of hope and faith. May we have the courage to be bold, counterculture, as we live out meekness each day, shining your light and love, all in the name of Pratyesu, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Wasn't she just amazing? How good to chat to her. She was incredible. It was, I mean, she has such integrity such humility and such openness and a real she embodies listening like mm. ah 
I love the discussion for me from, I mean, we talk about it in there, from me as a white man to come and um, be really challenged and forced to not flex, yes. um, but to to step into that meekness. Blessed are those are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Mm. Um, such a wonderful conversation. Um, thank you, Chirapon. Yeah, and just lastly, I loved um, that approach that she said that she shared um, to see with your eyes, to feel with your heart, and then you do differently with your hands. That mm. was just. That was beautiful. That's mm. that's listening. That's that's meekness right there. Mm. Thank you for joining us today. We'll see you next week.